Welcome to the Florida Versus Podcast. You know, I got one for you. Holy cow! <laughs> what? Have you ever been so hungover that the noise-canceling hissing in your headphones is even too loud? Welcome to my world. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a beautiful Friday, September 10th, and you're listening to the Florida Versus Podcast. My name is Peter Murphy. I'm your host today and every day. Today, we tackle Rhode Island with a very, very thrilling, exciting, cool person, more on her in a little bit. Now, a little bit on Rhode Island. Obviously, the smallest state. Known for clam cakes, which we get into a little bit. Pizza strips, a.k.a. party pizza, lobster ravioli, and calamari, of course. Population, 1.05 million as of 2019. Who knows how many of those people survived the pandemic? Who knows how many people actually moved there from California? <laughs> it seems like California is repopulating every other state uh, Rhode Island obviously neither a road nor an island and has been the in- inspiration for such movies as The Conjuring they have a ton of haunted houses there there you go also over 400 miles of coastline that's pretty sweet today my guest is going to be Lauren Schultz a tastemaker a roller derby athlete, a soccer athlete, an overall stud, interesting person from the great state of Rhode Island. She now lives in California, uh, where I have the pleasure of being her friend. She's absolutely fun, very cool to chat with, and I think you're going to, you know, you're just going to fall in love with her. Holy cow. Uh, so Lauren chats with me today. We're talking about Rhode Island. We talk about Florida a little bit. And what's going on? For the rest of this month. I mean, when is it going to let up, right? When is, are we going to feel the fall? Feel the fall. Crunch a leaf. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for you guys to be introduced to Lauren Schultz. She's she's pretty cool. Uh, she's my guest today. I mean, what else do you need to know about Rhode Island? Do I want to... I, I would want to go there. If I if I started a road trip, I would want to start it like across the country to visit every state in Winnebago. I'd want to go to Rhode Island. It's the littlest check mark, um, but you know it's good to start with some good seafood. It's good to start this podcast. Listen to a few ads, then I'll be back with Lauren Schultz. Thank you guys. Have a great weekend. Do 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 do. Ad time. Oh man, another ad. Well, don't worry. This one will make you hungry. <laughs> Margarita. Pepperoni Playboy, Guilty Party, Good Thing, Dreams Tonight, Beyond Love, Smoke Signals, Neon Moon, Springsteen, Talking Backwards, Crude Copy, Breakneck Speed. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you haven't had one of Lucky Nick's Pizza's Sourdough Neapolitan Pizza Pies straight from their wood fire oven. And you are missing out. Go ahead and follow Lucky Nick's Pizza on Instagram. That's at L-U-C-K-Y-N-I-C-K-S-P-I-Z-Z-A. 
for the latest updates about their weekly mobile pop-ups in the SoCal region. It's Lucky Nick's Pizza. Nice little pizza, huh? Okay, whoa, 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 what's the holdup? It's ad time. Oh, yeah. It's ad time. And let the good time roll. You know, since 2015, totally good time has been making pop culture street style inspired by the 90s, 2000s, and niche entertainment favorites. Well, what do they got? Uh, how about bringing on Toro Sweatsuit? Check. Empire Records Staff Tee for Rex Manning Day? Check. New Girl True American Hoodie that features the design as the gameplay? One, two, three, four. Check. Now go ahead and check out all of the original pop culture goods over at totallygoodtime.com. That's totallygoodtime.com. And use code FLORIDAVERSUS15 for 15% off your order today. That's code floridavs 15 for 15% off your order today. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Ad time. All right, Lauren, welcome to the show. Uh, I know you're a longtime listener, first-time guest. So <laughs> everybody gets a song. And this is yours. Lauren Schultz. Lightning bolts, the Indianapolis Colts. What do they have to do with each other? Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, the pride of New England, specifically Coventry, Rhode Island, the tastemaker, the producer, the extraordinary woman here she is the one the only lauren schultz Woo! thank I you should also, i should also mention she can keep a plant alive and we can i have some evidence here yes <laughs> you can keep a plant alive uh lauren uh interesting thing about you uh you're from rhode island new england and everybody else that i talked to from new england has a like a loud love for the Patriots. What's interesting about you is uh, you do not. <laughs> that is that is a fact. <laughs> um, we've spent many Super Bowls together, so you've seen me actively just hate on the Patriots um, with a lot of fervor. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a traitor to New England in pretty much every way, shape, and form. So uh, there's probably going to be like a bounty in my head for publicly acknowledging this. I didn't always hate the Patriots. Like when I lived, I used to live in New Jersey when I went to college. So uh -huh. uh, when I was in college, that was around you know the Jets. Uh, what's that other right. team that plays there? Jets and Giants. Yeah, the, they were yeah, in yeah. the Super Bowl a bunch. So they were always getting with, with the Patriots. So being in like. The New Jersey area where it was like, yeah, the Patriots are great. Yeah, but I didn't actually care. It was just <laughs> it was just a way to be contrarian in, in New Jersey. Well, we have spent a few Super Bowls together. I used to have a Super Bowl party at uh, the apartment I used to live in. And yes, you are from New England. But before we get to that, let's uh, we like to do the plugs up top plugs up top. Lauren Schultz. If there's anything you'd like to drive our listeners to, let them know about, uh, bring uh, an awareness to, uh, let us know. What what uh, what would you like to plug on the program? Uh, I just want to plug one thing. Uh, my nephew, he is an awesome kid. He wrote a book, um, oh. and I'm super proud of him. He's he self published a book series, and the first one is called Hidebound. 
uh, Hidebound. Yeah, it is an LGBT uh, sci-fi series. Wow, that, cool. Uh, yeah, it's, he's awesome. He's great. I'm super proud of him. Uh, and so, yeah, I want to make sure you can publish his whole series. He's got an entire arc and everything. So I'd love it if people could go check out his work for, you know, and support independent writers. Yeah. And what, what is his, uh, what, what is the author's name? What is oh, his sorry. Name? It's Hidebound and his name is A. Oliver Noel. A. Oliver find- Noel. You can find it on, uh, I think it's on Barnes and Noble, or if you just search for Hidebound series, you can, you can find a place to buy it. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, okay. And this is the first book from A. Oliver Noel. Mm-hmm. That's the first one. Very cool. So many more. Uh, I'm, I can't wait to check that out. And you said it's a, a LGBTQ uh, fantasy or, or sci-fi book. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah cool. That's. I mean, I don't want to like dive too deeply into it i think no spoilers no spoilers but it's just you know i think it's it's exciting because there aren't too many writers exploring you know lgbt uh issues within science fiction so that in and of itself i think is kind of is cool and something that he's doing that's exciting that's amazing how cool and growing up uh you know before we get into you know the geography of it all did you find yourself reading a lot and like was it a specific type of book because for me I mean, I would I didn't read anything. I'm I'm surprised I'm even literate. I'll be honest. <laughs> like if Florida. I could, I, yeah, exactly. I read uh, the McDonald's menu. That was about it. You know, well, you could just point to that, so it's a little easier. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Did, what, what sort of books were you drawn to? Oh, young, yeah. Younger? Um, I mean, you know me pretty well, so I think you're not too surprised to know that I'm kind of nerdy. So I mm-hmm. I was like a super nerdy kid as when I was little. I read books all the time. Um. I was also like a really macabre kid. So I went through a phase probably of like eight to 10 where like, obviously I read like a lot of goosebump books, but my mm. mom definitely let me like into her Stephen King collection, which you should not read when you're like 10, like reading it when you're <laughs> 10 years old can really mess you up. And I think it explains a lot of me today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I really liked scary books. I loved, um, like science fiction, not really science fiction. I read a lot of fantasy books. So there was like a Dragon Quest series that my brother read and he gave it to me and I would read all those. So yeah, I would just read, I would read anything. Nice. Uh, did you, did you, I mean, were you ever part of like a book club or anything like that? I'm still that, in a book club. Are we you don't really? really read books. We mostly just drink and get together, but yeah, I still what, like to read the book sometimes. Yeah. I mean, how, yeah, I've never been in a book club. I tried to start a movie club one time, but it was just hard to get people there. And then also of the people that I know that have started book clubs, they say, oh yeah, we, it just devolves into drinking club, you know? Yeah. It's, it's mostly an excuse for, you know, me and some of my friends to get together. And there was a period of time where we did read books, but now a lot of them have children. So they don't read as much. And they're like, I can watch a Netflix show. So we did watch the crown one time. And that was our book for the month was to watch the newest season of the crown. (laughs) And then discuss. Yeah. That would be kind of cute if, you know, there was a book club, but there was just children's books, like The Happy Cow. And it's like chicka, that, you know, or, or whatever. Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. Yeah. Is that a real book? That's my favorite kid's book. Oh, it's about a bunch of letters that get caught up in a coconut tree. Man, kids, kids will read anything. <laughs> Kids will, kids will read anything these days. Uh, all right. Well, Lauren, I want to head back to the East Coast. So please, uh, Lauren, tell me about your hometown of Coventry, Rhode Island. 
Uh, well, first of all, I have to connect, correct your pronunciation. Oh. You're saying Coventry, which is incorrect. Oh. Uh, I am from Coventry, Rhode Island. <laughs> and that is how you can tell the difference of people who live there, of people who don't, because people who live there obviously say Coventry in that very hard uh, Rhode Island way. And then everyone else says Coventry because there's actually a Coventry, Connecticut that is not far away. So most people from Connecticut will be Coventry or other people will say Coventry. And that's how you can smell the non-locals immediately. Whoa. Yeah. And, and so growing up, so yeah, so I'm already off to a great start, but growing up there, that's what you said is very indicative of the area, right? Because Rhode Island is the smallest state, but you know, it, does it feel small? Like does everybody essentially know everybody in every town and city? Yeah. Uh, so the town that I grew up in, which is Coventry, is the biggest town, but that doesn't really mean anything because like for the longest time, the only thing we had was like a Walmart and a bunch of like hiking trails. Oh. Um, so I don't know if you've ever met anyone from Rhode Island, they'll always ask or if they'll, you know, you'll ask like, oh, where are you from? Or, you know, they'll ask, you know, what, to, what town they're from, Rhode Island. And it's like, oh, is that close to Providence? And the answer is always yes, because everything <laughs> Is super close to Providence. Everything is like a half hour, 45 minutes from Providence. Like the other side of the state doesn't matter. Everything is small. So when you live in a place that small, you just go everywhere. Like you just, you're all over the place. You're constantly going to like the different towns. So obviously I grew up in my town, but I was always in the neighboring towns too. I went to school 45 minutes away from where I grew up. So I was literally driving like across the state almost every morning to go to school uh yeah it was just kind of how it was though if you're going south if you're going from south to north how long does it take to drive through rhode island probably less than an hour really like 95 yeah really yeah it's super small that is so small yeah so then okay so then yeah what's the ad like you know uh what what do i need to know about your hometown like uh yeah what makes it interesting there for for you because it's so tiny what makes it interesting? Uh, not much, which is mostly the reason I left. Um, <laughs> I mean, where I grew up was very rural. So I like, I went to a, just to, to set the tone, I went to an all girls Catholic high school Whoa. that was 45 minutes from where I lived. So I had to like get up and deal with that every morning. Um, so my town in general was just a lot of woods and the only thing i really know about the woods is that's where all the like public school kids that's what we called them because they were the public school kids right. went and like drank in the woods and yes. that was pretty much all you could do in my hometown or drink in the walmart parking lot after hours no way really yeah but because i didn't go to school in the town mm. i was like a weirdo even more so because like oh you go to the you went to the fancy school which like i didn't want to go to my mom made me go but so like all the all the public school kids kind of hated on me. Did you get to go to those parties or no? No, I never get invited to those parties. I don't uh, know where kids drank in the woods. I couldn't tell you. So how old were you when you saw or when you went to your first party? I was in college. Yeah. When I went to like no. my first real party. Really? Yeah. It was wild. Oh. So then, yeah, for for some kids, Walmart was the hangout spot. And for you, it was a place where you got paper towels <laughs> it was a place that my mom would drive me to sometimes yeah um i i felt really uncool like i think that's probably a huge portion of like why i wanted to leave like being in yeah. my hometown was not fun for me um another thing that like not just about coventry but about rhode yeah. island in general is just we have no public transit like nowhere like there really? i think there is a bus line 
that used to drive past my house. Uh-huh. But I, I lived on that street for 18 years and I never saw that bus one time. So that's, that's fascinating because as I know the East Coast, uh, you know, it typically has, you know, good, reli- not, maybe not reliable, but uh, efficient and very usable public transit, right? Like, you know, you think about New York City's subway system, you think about, you know, the trains that, you know, going uh, up and down the East Coast there and, uh, you know, how that was so, so much a part of the American landscape at one point uh, that, you know, it, it, it baffles me that Rhode Island didn't have anything like reliable like that. No, unless you're in Providence, like you're not getting anywhere. Like you need yeah. a car, you need a car to, to get anywhere. So how far away are, I mean, how, what are the, what's the housing situation? Like are, are people pretty far away from one another or are they, you know, living next to each other? Uh, uh, so my hometown or where I lived was definitely <laughs> like, I grew up on two and a half acres of land, um, mostly in the back. So like we could see our neighbors, but there was a lot of woods in between them. Yeah. Um, the closest thing that you like we had a pizza parlor maybe like a mile from my house and a gas yeah. station maybe like another mile and a half from my house but like that was really it like that was the closest thing within like a 10 minute drive from where I live to get to without having to like go straight into like the heart of town that's so interesting so yes so there are very few things to do in my hometown still to this day and because of that when my mom say has a day off from work she makes a a big day of running errands so she doesn't just like i if i've got to get groceries i've got to go to one place but my mom you know just because there's less to do she takes her time so she goes to like the big box store from for like bottled water and like toilet paper then she'll go to like you know walmart for you know a deal then she'll go to uh the you know a winn dixie or a Publix for cold cuts or you know poultry and then maybe you know then maybe she'll like circle back to like jc pennies to see what's on sale there <laughs> if she if she wants some you know some sweatpants or something like that and so and so you know she's going around to all these places like for you guys you know to get groceries or to get uh, you know supplies was it just walmart or did you have like big box stores and and stuff like that or like a mall uh we had we had one like local grocery chain that closed down when I was in high school, which was a bummer. I liked that place. Um, we had a stop and shop, okay, uh, which is very New England. We had a Walmart, which moved into town. Um, yeah, we didn't really have like a lot of options to go like grocery shopping. We had a lot of like food options. We had this one row in my town. It was like route, it was Route Three. It was just like the main drag of the town, mm-hmm. and basically any local chain that you could think of was on this street so it was kind of great but also like you know a mecca of consumerism well, <laughs> it was the only thing to do was <laughs> to like go buy something on this road well that sounds amazing and you know uh, i know this is like a dirty word sometimes but i i i trust your palate and that you are one of the best foodies that i know uh and it definitely was developed from an early age which brings us into our first segment it's called only foods <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, Lauren, I'm curious to know that region, what regional foods were located in your area, chains, uh, types of foods, uh, take us down the list, uh, bring us around town to the strip malls with all the foods. All right. Um, well, I think I didn't know them until recently, 
that one of the things that you most places don't have is a thing called clam cakes. You ever heard of these? Clam cakes. Yeah. So they're kind of like hush puppies, okay. but with flour instead of cornmeal and like chunks of clam in them. Whoa. So they're just these like big balls of dough with chunks of clam that are then like deep fried. And then you, you eat them with tartar sauce. You like break them apart. Um, it's a big thing to like go to the beach and get chowder and clam, or as my mom would say, chowder and clam cakes. Um, clam, clam cakes? Clam cakes, like crab cakes, but with right. clam. And you, you just put your hand up like you were gripping a softball. How big yeah. are these? They're like this thick. They're they're pretty, they're pretty mat. Like you can't eat one in one bite. I mean, you choke and die, which is unpleasant. <laughs> like so, jawbreaker. Yeah. Um, but they're so good. I didn't know until recently, like I was talking about them recently to someone who was from Massachusetts. Oh. And I was talking, and I assumed that they knew what I was talking about. And they were just like, I, I've never had a clam cake. I'm like, you're from like just above Boston. Like you should know this stuff. I was like offended for this person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a, I mean, also, man, growing up in Florida, we don't really have winters. We, we, in fact, I'll go as far as to say we don't have winters at all. It's just hurricane season and then uh, tourist season, snowbird season. <laughs> but obviously, you're in the Northeast, you're in the New England area, it gets pretty cold up there. So a lot of your food is just like heavy doughs. Mm -hmm. And apparently, there's just, seafood everywhere like yeah like more seafood than you can eat like like is is that is definitely not the case or is my perception on no it's like it's weird to me to move when i moved out of new england that i couldn't get seafood everywhere or that i couldn't get like good seafood everywhere yeah. um there was a place that my parents used to take me to dinner too and i used to get twin lobster tails for like 10 bucks oh they're just they're just everywhere wow and that was like, you know, like a, how decadent, like a nine-year-old sitting there like cracking lobster tails. That was just, that was just how it was. In LA, yeah, maybe you'll get ants, maybe you'll get, you know, uh, some spiders crawling in or cockroaches if, you know, if, if you have like a, a bad apartment or something like that. In, in where you lived in New England, it's like, uh, yeah, the lobsters are just crawling into your apartment. There's an infestation of them. You just, you just can't, you just can't eat them fast enough. They're just wow. always there. That's fascinating. Um, I mean, some places out in Los Angeles, some places in New York will charge $50 for a lobster roll. Mm -hmm. I know it's wild. Like that's why I can't, I can't good conscious eat seafood out here. Like it, it, yeah. it like makes me upset because I know, I mean, I know it's probably how much it costs out here, but just like, I know how much cheaper that is where I'm from. So like, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't eat seafood when I'm out here. I live, you know, I haven't been home I haven't been back to visit in several years and I've barely eaten seafood because I only do it when I'm back at home. And that will be, and I like, I just over index when I'm there. Like I just eat like fried clams, yeah. scallops for like four days straight until I like be, feel like a fish myself. <laughs> Clam cakes. I love that. And they're huge. And like in an order, what do you get? Like two or three or like, they're like meatballs? No, you get like a, you usually go with half a dozen or a dozen. Cause Whoa. usually like splitting it with a gun. We usually like, if you're going to half dozen clam cakes by yourself, you probably had a bad day. Um, but if you're getting like a half dozen clam cakes with your friends, that's a nice day. That is nice. Yeah. 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 I, I am always one of those people that I celebrate and I commiserate with food. Uh, you know, something nice happened. Oh, great. Let me treat myself. Mm -hmm. to a nice meal uh something terrible just happened oh great let me uh stick my nose in uh in this 
macaroni and cheese do you crave certain foods depending on like the mood that you're in so like for example when i'm like if i'm really nervous and i just Mm -hmm. like finish something that i was really nervous about i'll be like oh i really need like sugar or caffeine like i need something Mm -hmm. to kind of like keep me at that level yeah i tend to yeah absolutely so so an example for me is if i have like a big show coming up or if i have uh or if i'm working uh on something uh, working out working on set or something like that i'll eat like leaner foods like chicken or broccoli and stuff like that and i'll stay away from the pastas or rices or uh anything like that i'm not m- much of a dessert person and the older that i get the less like the more i want dessert to be smaller it's like oh, i could just go for a little sweet thing but after you know said event or you know whatever i'm planning for or looking forward to once that's passed I will definitely yeah have a little spaghetti uh, ah, or spaghetti. yeah exactly or pizza mm. uh, or I don't know anything like bread heavy or dough doughy I guess so it seems uh, like you're more just body conscious than actually like yeah up and you know yeah exactly and yeah <laughs> yeah I guess and like my weight fluctuates it yo-yos I've, that's been me forever I'm not disciplined when it comes to my diet because also. I don't want to miss anything, you know, like, like, like I've eaten, like, we can talk about this with the food in the food segment here uh, that we're at. I've eaten, you know, I'm not shy to eat uh, like lengua, like, you know, tongue. I'm not shy to eat like fish eyeballs, which are great. Uh, I've had like octopus, popo, you know, whatever, like, is, are like, what, what are some exotic, exotic foods that you've had? Oh man, I, I'm, I'm pretty open to things. I think one of the weirdest things I ate was alligator. Okay. Um, yeah. I, mean, I ate that. At prevalent like shop in Rhode Island. Prevalent in Florida as well. Alligator yeah. po' boys. Is like an alligator like a big? Do people just eat alligators there? You know, or is it like a like a venison thing? Like, oh, it's a it's a fancy meat or something. It's not that it's a fancy meat. It's just, uh, it, you know, you don't get it shipped in from somewhere. You know, it's like you know, like some you know, if you're walking past a sushi restaurant during the day, even if it's on the coast, you know, you see people shipping in seafood uh you know fish etc but you know nobody's bringing like alligator meat or it's already like breaded and prepared so it just depends on the place and it depends on the type of food uh for instance you would find any most bar and grills you'll find a alligator po' boy or you know an alligator nugget type of a situation but uh but by and large they're few and far between usually mom and pop places uh but you know anything's great with uh spicy aioli you know fact (laughs) (laughs) um one thing that would not be good with spicy aioli if we're talking if we're continuing on the road of only foods Mm -hmm. um so there is a shop uh it's a it's a chain i think it's in new england but it's most prevalent in rhode island it's called newport creamery it's a kind of a diner inspired but their thing is their ice cream right um so their their claim to fame is they have a milkshake um, that's very good. And it's called the awful, awful. Oh, and it stands for awful, big and awful good. <laughs> that sounds like a, a thing to commiserate, like, like to, uh, to commiserate with, you know, <laughs> just like, everything was all, aw- I mean, the commercials when I was a kid were just like, how was your day? It was like, awful, awful. And then like, go get an awful, awful. So, so, so before you describe it, let me just say this. When I was growing up, I would play soccer and my grandpa would drive me to soccer games and sometimes you know the games would be two hours away it'd be three hours away two and a half hours away 
and he would always, he loved coffee and I was, you know, in high school or middle school and I didn't drink coffee. I didn't think I needed to, but as an adult, oh yeah. Uh, so, so we would go to Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, big, you know, very oh, popular. New I knew England. that was going to come up. Duncan, America runs on Duncan. So he would get a coffee with cream and sugar and I would get a culotta and drink it as fast as I could because I knew that it would send me into this sugar nap. So I could just <laughs> kind of, I could kind of like warp speed through time and Florida to where I could take a nap, wake up an hour and a half later. Oh, we're in Tampa. Great. You know, I'm ready for the game now. I took a, I, I fell asleep. I'm a terrible co-pilot. Yeah. Uh, even even to this day but yeah you're yeah. a prolific car sleeper <laughs> yes absolutely but okay so the awful awful they had commercials for it and you know where did you get it and what was it called or, or uh, and, and what was in it uh i mean it was just it was just a milkshake like it wasn't anything uh, super amazing about it it was literally just like the milkshake that they called them so the the ice cream place the newport cream like newport creamery was it was good ice cream like wasn't the, there was a lot of like little ice cream shops all over the place so mm. You'd usually probably go to your local one instead of going to Newport Creamery. But if you really want an awful, awful, that was a place to get it. And the cookies and cream regular. one was good. Yeah, it oh, was just, okay. it wasn't anything fancy. Just the, the name was silly. It was just big. Like what? Like we're talking like 72 ounces. Oh my, that would be insane. There's just people getting, <laughs> like there's just children on the side of the street, like having like brain freezes everywhere. <laughs> Tweaking out. Yeah. yeah. No, it was just, it was, it was <laughs> I think that's just a very typical Rhode Island thing. Like what's this thing? Like it's just. It's just a different thing with a name on it. Like it's not oh, nice. nothing with, fancy. With so many lobsters crawling around your area and essentially taking it over, <laughs> I I half assumed there to be a lobster milkshake or something like that. I'm sure there's probably some of those like weird gastro people or those like weird, mm. I don't know. I'm like, I like food and I will eat lots of interesting food, but I kind of draw the line at like weird food experiments. Like lobster, mm. lobster ice cream is nothing that I will ever be enticed to eat at any point, even though I like lobster and I like ice cream, sometimes two things shouldn't meet. Sure. I mean, if it's very buttery and a, a, it's more of a butter ice cream than a lobster ice cream, I would probably go for it. But I don't, I don't pass on anything anymore because it grosses me out. In fact, I'm more interested in eating uh, stranger foods. The older Interesting. Cause like why, you know, cause, cause why, uh, you know, my mom doesn't like mushrooms. I'm like, why, why handicap yourself in that way? You know, like just go. I, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think for me, like I hate tomatoes and beets and you'll never get me to eat a tomato mm. or be anything. Um, so let me ask you this, since we're on the topic is. of food, this is right. controversial, but mm -hmm. BLT, uh, what, how do you classify that sandwich? And this is what I mean. Let me, let me give you an example here. I believe that the BLT bacon, lettuce, tomato, uh, bread, uh, you know, mayonnaise, however you decide to jazz it up. I believe that that is a tomato sandwich, not a bacon sandwich. I think it's a tomato sandwich, just the way that like a, uh, a turkey sandwich, it's a turkey sandwich or a bacon, egg and cheese is like an egg sandwich. Uh, what, how would you classify the BLT? Uh, I probably also classify it as a tomato sandwich one. Cause I would never eat it uh, unless you took the <laughs> tomato off. So that in and of itself would be like, I don't want to eat that thing, okay, but also right. it's a ratio thing. Like I feel like every BLT oh. I've seen is like a big thing of tomato. And like, you know, even with the most, you know, how many slaves of bacon are you going to fit on it before it gets like obscene, you know? Yeah. You can't do too much bacon or else it's just, 
it's just uncomfortable. Or, and then you know, go like a and then you get like a weird mound that doesn't like fit in the sandwich because the bacon doesn't stack properly. Yeah, I don't. There's no good rage. There's no good tipping point where the bacon becomes the star of the sandwich. Fair and enough. And for it to still be a good sandwich, I don't think it would ever be a good sandwich. But you know, to uh, each their own. I mean, essentially, we could call the BLT a tomato club. Ooh. I think the club is just a matter of the well, it's the layers, right? Oh, interesting. I guess so. Yeah. Club has that uh, Big Mac bun in the middle, right? And they got it. And you need that toothpick that you're definitely going to stab yourself with when you try to bite into it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll definitely well, go through not, your teeth. If you're not bleeding in your gums when you're eating a club sandwich, then it wasn't really a club sandwich. Then you're not even really going for it. Uh, what other foods can we just find in uh, in your area? Uh, let me see. So I think the two, another big one that we have is uh, hot wieners. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Is that what you call them? X-rate. Yeah. It's they're got to. You want to get hot wieners for dinner? That was that was the question. Um, what does that mean? So they sell them all over the place, but the the main shop is at this place called Oneyville Hot Wieners. It grew. It was the shop that my dad grew up in, right outside of Providence. Um, and yeah, it's a hot dog uh, that's grilled a little bit, and then you top the bun is toasted and buttered. And then on top of the bun, you have very, very, very finely ground ground beef with uh, usually mustard or like a mustard uh, powder kind of mixed Whoa. in. And that's all grilled together. And then you put that on top of the hot dog. And then you put uh, very finely diced onions on top of that as well. Ooh. And that's that's a hot wiener. It's got like a chili dog almost. Kind of. But it's not like it's it, you're not going to it's not like wet or anything like it's not dripping. So it's a very, it's like a, it's, it's weirdly dry, which is honestly, you probably want to describe a hot dog as. <laughs> yeah, it's a dry a hot dog. Well, the beef. It's the dry, meaty hot dog. Yeah, um, it, yeah. So it's, it's <laughs> hot dog. Okay, normal hot dog, buttered bun, right? Mm -hmm. And then hot dog bun. And then strained like beef. That's it's like a, a little it's spicy. Yeah, it's a little, it's got a little kick to it, but it's just, it's just very finely ground. There's no sauce in it. Like it's just, it's just been cooked kind of to like, like a good consistency. Like it's not going to droop or anything. Like it's just like that. And then you put the, the, uh, the onions on top, you kind of pat them into the meat. Then yeah. you usually put four of them in a sheet of butcher's paper and wrap it up. So it looks really disgusting and greasy. And you usually <laughs> buy, you know, how many, how many, like, um, you have to order them kind of like a Philly cheesesteak. Like you had to order them like all the way kind of thing. I used to order my oh, no yeah. onions when I was a kid. Now uh, I know that was wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'd have to get, you know, we go, my dad would go around and ask everyone what they wanted for dinner. And my brothers would be like, oh, four weenies all the way. And my mom would be like, oh, three weenies all the way. And that's, you know, you'd go and order like how, it, you know, 20 weenies come home. And how dinner. big, how big are they? Like, you they're know, hot dogs. So, you know, they're not, they're not like Dodger dogs or anything. They're not huge. They just look like normal normal hot dog so you're eating you're eating four four hot dogs well we're big people <laughs> <laughs> judgy yeah i mean no 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 i'm just like no i mean i thought i was the only one <laughs> you know now you can just go and find your people in rhode island they're all there they're eating hot weenies whoa and are they is it's and the spice comes from the ground beef on top, right? Yeah, mostly. Okay. Okay. Wow, that's fascinating. 
and you're eating like four of them at a time. And that's the meal. The meal is that, right? Yeah. You get there's fries no on the side or no? No, just hot weenies. Maybe some I chips like if that. like you have them at home, but it's straight up like your meal is compacted in a tiny dog sandwich. <laughs> I like that. And I support it because we're not going to get into the whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not discussion. But I always believe that whatever, if you're getting, you know, fast food and this is a, this is a fast food thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. more of like, you know, it's kind of similar to like takeout pizza. Like it'd be in kind of the same vein of that. Like yeah. we don't want to cook, but there's a place down the street that makes pizza. They also make hot wieners, get a bunch of hot wieners. Yeah. So you go, you go to the hot wiener place or you're going to, you know, your burger place or whatever. I always like, instead of having a side, if I can have a companion sandwich. You know, like let's say we're at McDonald's, you get the quarter pounder with cheese and then you get the McChicken, you know? So you're, you go for a very complex palate cleanser. It's not even, yeah, I guess it's a palate cleanser. In or some are you ways, just double fisting sandwiches and you don't really like to admit it. It's fine. I just do one at a time, you know? <laughs> also, I, I had a friend, I know this is sacrilegious to talk about so many like gigantic chains, but I had a friend recently that had Del Taco for the first time and he's, you know, 27, 28. And he had Del Taco for the first time. And he said, this isn't Mexican food. And I said, I agree. He goes, this is just like a chicken sandwich. And he got like a chicken taco or whatever. And I said, wow, that's interesting. Uh, because, you know, he, he was just like, no, this isn't Mexican food. I'm like, yeah, clearly. But it was just like a chicken sandwich delivered in a different form, which, whoa, dude, blew my face wow. off. I never thought about that. I've only eaten at <laughs> Del Taco maybe twice. And one time was when I brought a friend who I went to high school with in Rhode Island. She was visiting me mm-hmm. or she was in town. She was visiting me. And we got really, really stoned off nice. of very good California weed, which she was not prepared to deal with. And I, nice. I was, cause I live here. Um, and then she just like, I remember she just like the cloudiest look I've ever seen someone give me afterwards. I'm just like, do you want to get food? And she's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I went to Del Taco and it was just very like quintessential stoner. Like I'm just like sitting there eating my taco and she's like buried into it, like shoveling, you know, soft tacos in her mouth. And she's talking about how it doesn't taste like Taco Bell and all this other stuff. Uh, well, the big thing about, you know, in Florida, I'm a connoisseur of this, of chain restaurants, because in Florida, we have more chain restaurants per capita than any other state in the country. And the dip, the best, the big, the thing that sells you on Del Taco is that the cheese sticks together. And what that means is there is no sawdust added in the cheese. Now, some people know this, some people don't know this, but packaged shredded cheese, it would melt together, whether you keep it refrigerated or not, it would stick together, if not for a finite amount of sawdust added to the mix of the cheese. Now, Del Taco does not do that. And so the cheese sticks together at, you know, your grocery store, you know, when you get your cheese or a Taco Bell, et cetera, you'll find the cheese not sticking together. It's because there's a small amount of sawdust there. In fact, this used to happen. I used to see this happen all the time. This kid I grew up with, uh, he would, so that his, for some reason, he was, he didn't want the coaster to stick to the bottom of his uh, cup, like soda or, you know, when he got older beer. So he would take salt and he would pour it on top of, you know, just a small amount of salt on top of the uh, coaster and then place his cup down just so there was like, you know, a little gap there. Well, you know, you put me off Taco Bell. So thank you. 
<laughs> a little bit small, of small small vestiges i had in my life and you just keep ripping them away because now i can't even talk about anymore well here's what was yeah well here's what was interesting about florida uh you know foods geographically like i said we have the most per capita chain restaurants but when a new chain restaurant would come into town one that you're unfamiliar with oh boy that'd be exciting so the only del taco at the time in america outside of say the west coast the only one on you know, the set in the Southeast in Florida was in this town called Oviedo outside of Orlando. And that location is home to two very niche uh, brand, you know, uh, you know, uh, restaurants. And so at first it was a Fazoli's. Are you familiar with Fazoli's? I have no idea what that is. So Fazoli's. It sounds like a knockoff Italian. Fazoli's is fast food Italian. And here's what you would get. You'd walk up, you like a Wendy's. You'd walk up, order, you know, I'll have the spaghetti and meatballs and all of this and all of that, blah, blah, blah. And then you'd go to your seat, you know, you know, they would give you a cup and you would, you know, have as cup much soda. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they would give you a cup and you would, you could have dipping sauces if you want, but you could you get a cup and then you could take the cup home or whatever, but you would fill up, you know, your soft drink and then you get your to your table and as you waited for your food to come out they would serve it to you but along with the server would be the breadstick boy and so there's a boy and that was the official title breadstick boy and the breadstick boy would walk around the restaurant and ask people he would hold tongs and hold a little basket full of breadsticks and he would say would you like more breadsticks and you could have as many as you wanted oh that's what a what a job isn't that Did, cute that's sweet like was the was he actually like a boy was it like a 12 year old be like yeah would you like a breadstick like i just feel like a, an adult man if he was like i'm the breadstick boy would just be like kind of unsettling i mean he started off as a boy but he became a man uh the breadstick man the breads well i mean you know how how, how old can you be before you can't call yourself a boy anymore i, I think le- i mean legally it's 18 yeah, but you know, oh, the boys. I still wouldn't. I don't know. Together. The boys I, are getting together. <laughs> I hear that often. I mean, you can call yourself the boys all you want. I'm not going to, but like, if that's your official title, like the boy, at the breadstick boy, like you should not be older than like 19. I disagree. <laughs> Agree to disagree, then. <laughs> you can you can be a, a breadstick boy at any age. You'll I mean, be a breadstick boy forever. I mean, you know, some of this I'm not remembering right. It can't be, but I think he had a tag that said breadstick boy, like a name tag that said breadstick boy and then his name over it. And it was usually like a Charles or a Connor or it was a very like, like, a you know, a, a Dylan or a Toby, you know, young, like names that you don't see adults have. It just seems like a next level humiliation to like not only have to be at a job where like you have to wear a name tag and like I've worked those jobs, I've had to wear plenty of name tags, but then to also have one hanging above it. It's like, oh, breadstick boy. Like you're already just <laughs> like it's already just like an extra humiliation of like being in the service industry. <laughs> right. So this place in Oviedo used to be a Fazoli's. And you know, I went there once with some friends, but then Fazoli's went out of business. I mean, amazing idea you know it was incredible and as a chain it was you know i think it's still around 
However, this location went out of business and then it became a Del Taco. And that was like, oh my God, Del Taco. So the girl I was dating at the time, we got, you know, high and drunk or whatever uh, and ended up going there. And for some reason I ordered like $20 worth of Del Taco. And she, That's impressive. It, and, and she just like watched me. And I was like, <laughs> she, I mean, she ate as well, but like a significantly smaller order. And also the thing that I was excited about was, wow, this is a taco place but they have French fries. Mm. But really, you know, referencing my friend, as I mentioned before, it's really a, just a, it's a French fry place that has, you know, different forms of chicken sandwiches, you know. They just roll up the sandwiches instead of put them between two slices of bread, which is actually like kind of, you know, we're getting stiff because we're only getting one slice of bread. We couldn't get two. But you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm looking forward to something, then I'm eating significantly less bread, getting lean. It's true. Get, getting lean and mean, and yeah, that yeah. Then I felt awful the rest of that night because what's twenty dollars worth of, of Del Taco? Uh, like a third of your life, probably. I mean, yeah. Like I took <laughs> I took a third of my life off that night. Probably. Like lopped up right off. Uh, right at I the th- end. I think the most dangerous thing I ever did. When I ordered. I think I can top you slightly because I was able to order about $20 worth of food from the late night Jack in the box menu. And that's, wow. that's hard to do because everything literally only costs like a dollar or $2. Holy um, yeah. That's a place you can also get tacos and French fries, but I'd still probably go to Del Taco first. Sure. Sure. Uh, what are some other regional foods uh, in the new England area? Uh, I think the, I mean, the last big Rhode Island one that I can think of and would be Dell's lemonade. Dell's uh, lemonade. Dell's like Dell, like D E L. Dell is like a person, so it's their lemonade. Okay, can um, I guess? Can I guess what it, what makes it unique? Hit me. Okay, so Dell's lemonade is actually made with um, ox blood, and, it, <laughs> and it's yeah. got it's got a viscous, different type of uh, texture to it, and instead of garnishing it with a lemon, you garnish it with a blood orange. Yeah, that's the raspberry flavor. You nailed it. Okay, perfect. And so, uh, okay, so what what is Dell's lemonade really? Uh, Dell's lemonade is is frozen lemonade. Um, so it's <laughs> so you were you were close on the Oxford thing. Um, so yeah, it's just frozen lemonade. It's like a thing they only serve in the summer, and they just serve it in these like big vats. And you see someone scoop it, and they give you a cup. But it's just it's there's little pieces of frozen lemon in it too. So when you're drinking it. You can like chew on little bits of lemon and it's very, it's very much like the, the office joke of like when it melts, you get second drink because yeah. you get like a big thing of ice and it's hot in the summer. So it melts and you drink a little bit and it melts and drink a little bit. So it's like a very, it's a very refreshing summer treat and you can just pour vodka in it. Oh, excellent call. You know, we would, we would definitely get away with that, you know, with Slurpees and stuff like that in Florida and a, a like a regional fish i think in florida to the gulf coast at least i, I and I, I say that because anyone i've ever talked to has never experienced you know eaten grouper before but we used to have all you can eat grouper at in fort myers and you know you're talking about going places with your friends or like you know something like refreshing we would go to the beach and on the way back from the beach we would hit this place it was all you can eat grouper and i don't know what a grouper looks like but i can tell you what it tastes a lot like fried food yeah i think that's just the general taste of like anything seafood which is why i don't understand people like 
New England, like I mentioned, very heavy in fried food. Most places, like almost every single place you go to that's not like a bur like only burgers or something is going to have some kind of like seafood menu. And it's usually just like fried fish, fish and chips with French fries, uh, some clam chowder, fried clams, fried scallops, fried whatever. So when people say they don't like seafood, I don't quite understand because ev almost every piece of seafood I've ever had in my entire life has been deep fried. So it's been delicious. If you fry it, yeah, it all, it all tastes similar. You know, yeah. it's all in the fried family. Also, I was just on the East Coast recently and the shrimp there are way bigger, mm -hmm. like significantly bigger. I feel like on the West Coast, they're not real shrimp. They're babies. Little baby shrimps, right? Like, do, have you have you noticed that yourself? Uh, not so much that, but I know that there's a difference in like the waters and stuff. So, like, there's a difference between like ocean scallops and bay mm. scallops, for example. Like, oh, excellent point. Bay scallops are like way bigger. I don't. I'm trying to think of how. That doesn't matter. Um, they're, <laughs> they're delicious though. Um, and then the sea scallops are usually like the smaller ones that you're you're used to you're used to seeing. So. You know, I, I, you know, we we're talking about, you know, eating and going out to these places and that's the stuff that you would do. Yeah. When I went to the beach, the beach was like maybe 30 minutes away from me and I would go with a bunch of friends and on the way back, we would hit the all you can eat grouper if, you know, if we were still hungry after going to Hooters and visiting our, <laughs> visiting our friends that uh, would work there. And so, you know, m kids in Florida, there's so many types of them, you know, all their families come from different parts of the country and they, the kids identify with those regions, even though they don't have many memories from there, or maybe they do, uh, but just, you know, young memories. And then, you know, there you place like Rhode Island, I imagine people that are living there have been living there their whole lives or generationally, you know, the kids that you grew up with, what were they like? You know, what were they, what were they sort of into? You said you'd mentioned earlier, you were a little nerdy and you, you know, you were kind of into books and, and things like that, but you know, what's the typical, what was the typical Rhode Island kid like? Yeah, I I mean, it, it's kind of all over the place because like I grew like my town, um, as I mentioned, was like pretty rural, um, mm. definitely had like a lot of the towny kind of stereotypes of like kids that don't work at a, And honestly, most of Rhode Island is to me like a big state of townies, like no one, no one leaves ever. Right, it's right. weird. I've, I've lived, I, I've been in LA for over 10 years now. Um, and I'd say in that time, I've maybe met less than six people from the state of Rhode Island, like just yeah. out in the world. That's a um, lot, actually, considering how big it is. Uh, I, there's a million people. We got more. We got okay. more. We got more population than like a bunch of those big empty states in the middle. Yeah, um, you tell oh, them. Yeah, take that, Wyoming. Come <laughs> fight me. I'll, if you have anyone from Wyoming, I'll take one. Um, but seriously, but like. Yeah, it's it's just um, I don't know. It's just a weird it's a weird place to grow up, man. It's, it's yeah. a weird spot. And so the kids are, you know, what like what are the kids into? Like, you know, when when you say small towns, I think all right, everybody loves the local high school football team. But was that happening there? No, I mean sports aren't a big thing. Um, like local think. sports, right? Yeah, I mean people love the Patriots. Mm -hmm. With the beaches were around a lot, so people do that. I. Like I said, I, I grew up in like the town with the townies, but like the school that I went to had a lot of really rich kids that lived there. So like they had, you know, one of my best friends in school went like sailing on the weekends. Another one went like horseback riding. And I was like, oh, wow. uh, I stayed home and read books with my mom <laughs> and watched Maury Povich. Like it was not, uh, you know, so I think it was kind of all over, but like a lot of the kids did very 
New Englandy things, I think, very preppy New England things too. Especially oh, the sailing and going to the beach or like having a beach house. And that was just, I don't know. So when that I wasn't see- me. Yeah, when I'm like, you know, clicking through the internet or flipping through a magazine at like a doctor's office, when I see the Polo Ralph Lauren ad, I could say those kids in front of the horses that are sailing, that are, you know, wearing, you know, two very preppy uh, polo collared shirts with their collars popped. Those are Rhode Island kids. Oh, yeah. I think those would be probably kids I probably went to high school with. Um because I also knew a lot of the boys that went to the brother high school, which was the all boys Catholic high school. So it was just a lot of rich Catholic kids was, was how I spent a lot of my time, which I also, you know, didn't really fit in with them either because it wasn't really rich and it wasn't super in being Catholic at that point. So yeah. it wasn't much for me to do. And then, you know, my hometown was a bunch of the, the townie kids that didn't want to talk to me. Probably just called them townies. <laughs> um, <laughs> townie, meant, townie meant like preppy kids to you no i mean in coventry no townie kids were like you know my the public school kids as my you know as i referenced earlier they were not people my mom wanted you know my mom sent me to a private catholic high school because she didn't want me hanging out with the public school kids which i'm sure they were fine they were just teenagers but you know i'm curious to know what the style was because like growing up you know as as we're talking about this i'm recalling what you know, what I looked like growing up and essentially on any given day, you would find me in oversized flip-flops. Like, and by that, I mean, they were a little wider that like flip-flops. Lapping everywhere. That's where, yeah, that's where the money went. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The money went to the wide flip-flops. Then I would have, you know, some kind of cargo shorts on and then a collared, you know, golf shirt and I would pop the collar for sure. Mm. And I was either wearing some kind of like, like not hookah a poke like i don't know like shark tooth necklace or something silly like that and then um you know a lot of gel in my hair like nobody wanted to touch my hair they would you know they would get porcupine yes exactly uh exactly like what was and that wasn't the style for everybody but generally preppy some kid you know and the spectrum would go from what i just described to say kid with short hair collar down shirt tucked in mm, the, the range of pep of peppy preppy <laughs> peppy um, preppy yeah exactly peppy, preppy. i mean yeah. you know just generally kids like what, what what was the style in rhode island uh i th- very similar like a lot of especially the kids that i hung out with a lot of the polo shirts mm-hmm. um you know a lot of cargo shorts um it looks like a lot of things that you know were probably bought by their dads for the guy's side, like a lot of the like striped, thin striped polo shirts kind of thing. Um, but because I went to it all, like I, I wore a uniform every day. So, sure. um, I mean, I had clothes, obviously I had things I had to do later on, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to develop a personal sense of style. I think when a, you have to wear a uniform every day mm. and then B your mom bought most of your clothes and you didn't like them. Um, uh, which was my situation. My mom was like kind of a hoarder. Oh, yeah. uh, so she would just like buy me lots of clothes. So like my closet was like bursting when I was a kid. Like I had so many clothes um, that I just never wore because she mm. I didn't have to wear them for school every day. So I didn't have to like dress up. But it was just, you know, you can't really it's it's almost weird to find a personal style when you have like too much to choose from. Right. <laughs> my mom, I mean, also, you know, holds on to things much longer than she needs to. In fact, she still has a full 
Beanie Baby collection. I have one of those. And they're in they're in like plastic, you know, dust free cases, which mm-hmm. is you know. Uh, the trick was to put them in a corsage container because they were easy to. Oh, it, oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And where do you keep your yours now? Your Beanie Baby. Uh, they're all under a. a giant rolled uh like a rolly thing under the bed that my husband will like to remind me every six months that i need to get rid of eventually and i'm like yeah <laughs> sure oh well put them on display yeah there's a lot i mean what can i don't you know do with these i still have i have no idea like at this point i feel like i'm gonna have to like burn them for fuel when the earth ends or something because i don't <laughs> i don't know what else to do with them because i don't think i could even give them away plus they were, like i couldn't give them to like I could, I suppose. But like, if I gave them to like a child, mm-hmm. be like, here's my Beanie Baby collection. I think my heart would just cry if I saw the child like rip the tag off or do something. Ugh, be like, well, that's a collector's right. item, even though the child doesn't care. And it's not like, it's not a collector's item because no one cares. Did you have a favorite Beanie Baby that you had? Uh, I mean, I had the, when I got the Princess Diana bear, I oh, went. Oh, you had like, the Princess Diana. Oh, hell yeah. I got the wow. Princess the Princess Di bear. Um, I had this one called Rainbow, like a rainbow bear that was like a, it was like rainbow tie-dye colored. And it was like a little hippie symbol on it. I really liked the bears. I was just watching this documentary where people, you know, it was about 94 to 90, you know, to 2000 when this was like when tie beanie babies were such a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then overnight they immediately lost value. There were some people that were being offered tens of thousands of dollars for these like $4 beanie babies. Yeah. Insane. It what, was a big uh, thing with the with McDonald's because then we like they yeah. get the little the little ones in the in the drive through and I remember like going to McDonald's a bunch with my mom and ordering like you know a couple of Happy Meals every day to like figure out the system of like what Beanie Babies coming out oh they're not uh, mixing them up it's just the chocolate ones okay we come back tomorrow maybe I'll have another like it was like an intense thing yeah it was kind of, it was kind of fun because it was like an activity that like we could do it was almost like like strategic shopping, but also like very unhealthy. <laughs> you should not be eating that much McDonald's to get a Happy Meal toy. Sure, sure. I, over the course of this podcast, I've gotten hungry and less hungry uh, for McDonald's <laughs> specifically. And, you know, collecting those Beanie Babies, it's like a job. You know, it mm-hmm. became like a full-time job. And, you know, being in New England, uh, did you have any unique jobs, you know, when you got old enough to work? Oh, yeah. I, I started work. so. My technically my very first job that I ever got paid cash money for mm-hmm. was I was a children's theater actor. What? Um, mm-hmm. At what age? Uh, I did my first show at seven. Wow. Um, I was in Cinderella. I was a mouse. You um, were the, the mice in Cinderella? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so, how cool. So the children's theater that I, I worked at it was a, 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 a summer children's theater. So basically what it did was, I, I mean, I, you might've had something like this when you were a kid, um, a lot of places do, but like we have a lot of like outdoor summer stages in New England, which are just like outdoor tents in like, usually in the round instead of a proscenium stage. And they'll open those up in the summer for like concerts and things like that. Um, so I was part of a company that did children's theater. So we would go to those theaters like in the morning and do like 10, 11 a.m. children's shows for like, you know, the local kids. So we would yeah. do, we had a couple of theaters in Rhode Island, a couple of theaters in Massachusetts and a couple of theaters in Connecticut uh, that we would perform at. So yeah, I did that from age seven until I was 18. I did that almost every summer. What? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. A child actor. Yep. That was, that was me. 
If wow. I had lived in LA and had, you know, enough gumption to do it, my mom would have like shoved me through all of the the children's acting commercials that I she could have possibly taken me to. She was super into that stuff. Here's the tragedy about that same age period for me was that Nickelodeon was so popular mm. and everything in Orlando was considered Hollywood East because of, I don't know, it just comes down to money, you know, follow the money. That's the, that's your answer. But it came down to tax breaks and, you know, union, non-union status of certain projects. Then when Nickelodeon essentially shuttered overnight, that all left. So it went from this uh, amazing abundance, you know, when you're, you know, you're, when you're, at, when you're a kid during the nineties and, or, you know, early two thousands, you're promised this like idea of like, Oh, wow. Go to Nickelodeon studios. You can take a tour and like see, you know, uh, jo- you know, Keenan and Kel performing Amanda Bynes, like you could be the- on TV. It could be in the double dare audience. Yeah, or exactly. Legends of the Hidden Temple or something. That was like the Mecca when we were kids. I remember exactly I remember so it- many Pope Freddy, so many postcards to the Nickelodeon studios, hoping they'd pick me for the toy run or to be on something like, yeah, yeah. Totally. how many, how many times would you write to stick stickly? Oh, I love Stick Stickly. Right. At least a lot. I would look forward to summers with Stick Stickly as yeah. like one of the best uh, on-screen presenters of our time. But you know, you, it was, it was this promise of like, wow, kids probably just live here without adults, you know? And <laughs> the more, the more I read about all that, uh, the, you know, the show, and Nickelodeon at that time, the more that was kind of true to some degree. And, you know, then everything stopped and there was almost none of that. And in fact, you know, I was, I was auditioning for this. It was very funny because I was still living in Orlando. I was living in Orlando at the time. So sometime between 2008 and 2011 uh, or 12. And I was auditioning for a Bell's commercial and I met this kid who was born in the year 2006. And I thought, oh my God, I just met someone who was born in the year 2006. And, you know, this was towards the end. So this kid was like 12, you know, six years old, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that was like the thing. It's like, you know, this is my younger brother or whatever. That was the spot. But it was near the Nickelodeon studios and somebody like a producer who I had known had like spotted me and was like, hey, do you want to see like the old Nickelodeon studios? So we went in there and these are computers from the early nineties. And there was man, a half inch of dust on everything. It like, it was like ash from Pompeii, but on the walls, it was incredible because there were all these original Nickelodeon murals from Avril monsters to Rugrats to Doug and SpongeBob and all these things. And it was so, you know, it was this promise of like, you know, this incredible time and it's incredible place. And the remnants of it were just left, you know? That must be so bizarre. It was really Especially sad. with like the huge attachment to like not just like you wanting to do that, but like also just our childhoods in general. Like yeah, what a there, bizarre thing to see. And there were even amphitheaters in Orlando, right next to Lake Yola, that I, I you know I lived there for four you know o- over four years, and I never saw a performance at an the Disney amphitheater, the Walt Disney amphitheater, but it was right there. There was like probably five four four hundred seats or so at an outdoor amphitheater nothing but now uh with the orlando fringe festival and you know more acts and you know the the soccer team has really like helped 
bring you know a certain culture back to downtown Orlando they're doing more and more of those events and that's start, that's starting to come back in fact they just did little shop of horrors in may show. yeah in the live show in may which was incredible um so you know if you're in Orlando you know check out the arts or listen to a previous podcast with uh Lindsay Taylor who's the one of the producers of the Orlando Fringe Festival uh so okay so that's like what you can arm yourself with if you're going to Florida if you're going to Orlando but I want to get into our final segment here. One last thing, one good thing. Lauren, if I'm in, how am I saying it? Coventry? You got it. All right. If I'm there, <laughs> what's one uh, last thing? What's one good thing I should know? What, what's one thing I should arm myself with? Uh, I think one thing to know is as much as, you know, I, I rag on being there when I was a kid because it was very boring and very naturey and very woodsy. But honestly, now that I'm an adult and have stuck in LA, especially having stuck in my apartment for as long as I have during COVID, um, I miss that. I miss the nature. I miss the trees. I miss how beautiful my hometown was. Um, mm. So it's one thing that I've been actually like weirdly missing since I've been here, even though I miss very little about my hometown. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's a beautiful, um, there's a trail called Trestle Trail that is uh, actually goes right by, you know, not that far from where I live, but it's actually like a, a bike trail that goes right into Connecticut and you can take, you know, the trail actually goes through a good chunk of New England if you take it through Connecticut um, up into That's Massachusetts. Awesome. So you can hop on it about that far from my home and just, you know, you drives by like lakes and rivers. It's just, it's just gorgeous. I really miss that part is just how, how how connected to nature I kind of felt out there. I could just run around and climb a tree or jump on a rock or do all that stuff. And out here, it's like, I have a little patch of grass that I'm not allowed to grow anything on. <laughs> so yeah, if you're, if it, it sounds like your hometown is a good place to ha have a bicycle. Yeah. Great place to have a bicycle. If you're fine with riding 10 miles to get to the Walmart. How long does it take to get, to get somewhere on a bike in 10, you know, 10 miles? How long, how long would like 30 minutes? I, yeah, an hour? I don't an know. Hour? I don't know. I've only been on a stationary bike. Oh, okay. And those don't go very far after an hour. Do you know how to ride a bicycle? I have, but it's not. Um, I, <laughs> I'll I'll share my one of my uh, fun stories. It's not happened in Rhode Island. Uh, it's happened when I was in Croatia. Wow. Um, I was borrowing my. You know, I was visiting a friend who lives there. He's very like digital nomad. He you know just travels around the world and works on his jobs. Visiting him. And he rides his bike everywhere. And we borrowed another person's bike to go drink at a bar, a random bar, beach bar in Croatia. And uh, I was like, yeah, I can totally ride a bike. I'm fine. And I couldn't. Um, I absolutely, I'm not even, I'm not even exaggerating. I destroyed this bike. I, there were some people on the road. I couldn't maneuver fast enough. And it was like a fire road. So there were like things in the road to like block cars from going. So I had to like swerve around them. And then at the very last second, I had three options of where I was going to crash. One of them was a low stone wall, which would have then thrown me into a ditch. The second one was a ditch. And the third option was two telephone poles. Um, so I managed, I don't know, I, I don't know how I did this. I somehow managed to aim the bike in the direct center of the two telephone poles and jump off at just enough time that I didn't smash my face. I had Whoa. a huge, I had like a huge bruise on my chest from where like the, the head of the bike hit me. Um, 
yeah and like where I hit with the bike like I'm not even kidding like the bike and the wheel just sheared apart like they were just absolutely destroyed I was a mess I felt so bad I like totally wrecked this person's bike meanwhile my friend John is like um you could have died we're on an island in Croatia you would have had to been in a helicopter that would have lifted you out of here and you could have died like yeah but the bike um so (laughs) that um so I did that uh everyone who were his friends including the person whose bike i destroyed uh referred to me as bike slayer from that moment forward bike slayer uh when i went back to visit a couple years ago they were like lauren the bike slayer's back i'm like i'm here (laughs) you're Um, gonna take down bikes kill some more um yeah so me and bikes (laughs) you were going downhill how were you like how were you i was not going fast. fast i was not it was just my okay i do remember now so my friend who was very good on the bike warned me we were to pick up speed because we were about to go up a hill. So I, I okay. picked up too much speed and no control. It was not great. It was hap- you crashed going uphill. Uh, just about going up. Like it was just like it, it's a very like it's about to go uphill. But the, the turn like the hill to go uphill would have been a turn. And that's like the turn is where oh. the the telephone pole, the ditch and the wall were. <laughs> well, thank God you're okay. Holy moly. Thank you. Me too. I would have been really bad. Kind of a bummer to my really fun European vacation. Um, <laughs> wouldn't have much, you know, big old crack in my skull. So yeah. So life, uh, so moral story is I don't ride bikes because I can't be trusted. But it would be good to have a bike in your hometown. Yeah. If you can handle it and you don't think you're going to fly into a ditch or into some telephone poles, yeah, grab a bike and enjoy Rhode Island and Coventry. Well, I've been enjoying this conversation about Rhode Island and Coventry. Lauren, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, I can't wait to visit and uh, I'll arm myself with all those facts should I find myself there. Now, before we go, I want to give a big shout out to my production team of Mike, Gina, Justin Collier, Kelvin, Dawn, Peter, Lauren S., Yay! Uh, Shane, Matt Ashton, Matt Pabian, and Chris McLeod. Lauren, before we get out of here, is there anything you'd like to add? Uh, nothing to add, but Peter, thank you so much for having me on your show. I, I'm so excited. I finally get to be on, and uh, I'm sure I made a bunch of people from Rhode Island really annoyed at the things I said. <laughs> Only a few mentions of Duncan, so I think that's, that's, what, true. They'll be, that's, I think true. that's what they'll most be upset about. Uh, okay. Well then I'll, I'll leave with this little, little fact. Um, after I left Rhode Island, um, when I went to college, well, the big, uh, venue, one of the big venues was the Providence Civic Center. Mm -hmm. I saw many concerts there. I saw the American Idol tour there. Very much enjoyed it. Um, the, they renamed it after I went to school, uh, to the Dunkin' Donuts Center (laughs) and it is nicknamed the Dunk dunk. and and I hate it. Oh no. I hate it. I haven't been there. I don't need to go there. I've never attended an event at the dunk since it started. And I absolutely refuse. The dunk. Well, you know, now they're not going to get on your side. The, the, the people listening from Rhode Island. Come at me. Ocean staters. (laughs) Lauren's never met a bridge that she wouldn't light on fire. All right. Well, (laughs) Lord, Thank you for joining me. Floridians, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.